The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the doors were locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, and whose sins you retain are retained. Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples said to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger into the nail marks, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now a week later, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, although the doors were locked, and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands, and bring your hand and put it into my side, and do not be unbelieving, but believe. Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you come to believe because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. But these are written that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that through this belief, you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, today we finish up the octave of Easter. So each day since last Sunday, we've celebrated as if it were the day of Easter. And as we conclude the octave of Easter, these eight days, we also celebrate the Feast of Divine Mercy. 
And this Feast of Divine Mercy focuses our attention on really the goal of the Christian life. For each and every one of us, And that goal of the Christian life is written at the bottom of the divine mercy image. Jesus, I trust in you. I trust in you. Because the goal of our time during Lent and its culmination at Easter was to renew the promises that we made in our baptisms and the promises that we make in our baptisms and the act of being baptized for those who were baptized is to place our trust in Jesus, to submit ourselves to his love, to surrender our life to his, to no longer live our own lives, but to allow Christ to live in us. That's the goal. That's what we are about as Catholic Christians. Jesus, I trust in you. The act of faith is an act by which we entrust our lives to the Lord to place our lives in his hands. Just as he placed his life in the Father's hands. In the document Lumen Fide, Pope Francis writes that believing means entrusting oneself to a merciful love that always accepts and pardons and make straight the crooked lines of our history. And so that goal is to trust in him. And how do we come to that trusting in him? To trust in our Lord means that if it means that we place our life in our Lord's hands, we have to know and be confident in the fact that he's going to take care of us. That he's faithful. That he's constant. We have to know his great love for us in order to place our faith in him. That's the order of love. Nobody puts their faith in somebody if they don't believe that person wants the good for them. Right? At least no sensible person puts their faith in somebody or their trust in somebody who's proven themselves to be untrustworthy. And so our spiritual lives have to be focused in on the trustworthiness of God. Right? The whole book of Scripture 
is a message about the trustworthiness of God. Father Michael Gately calls the Old Testament the school of trust. It's a time in history when God was showing his people that he was trustworthy. And they learned that lesson over time, and it comes with sort of moving forward, moving backwards. Times of great faith, times of feeling abandoned. And it culminates in the passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus and the transformation of his disciples who then go out to transform the world. And we see that transformation take place in Thomas today, who was not present when Jesus appeared the first time. And when he's told about this, and they say to him, we have seen the Lord, he replies, unless I put my finger in the mark of the nails or my hand into his side, I won't believe which is kind of a funny thing to say. Because he doesn't say, unless I'm able to see our Lord, I won't believe you. Because it seems that that would have been a more logical reply. So the disciples who tell Thomas must have told him something more than we have seen the Lord. And as this gospel passage opens, it says, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. He showed them his hands and his side. As if he walked in the room and he sort of places his hands out. Peace be with you. I just got this image in my head of like a three-year-old who hurts themselves and they're like, look at my boo-boos. But he shows them his wounds. That's what our Lord does. And then they go tell Thomas about this encounter and Thomas says, unless I put my finger in his wounds, I won't believe you. And so for Thomas, there was something unbelievable and the thing that was unbelievable has something to do with his wounds. And so, according to this logic, it seems that Thomas doubted not simply the fact that Jesus rose from the dead, but that he rose from the dead with his wounds. Because otherwise, he would have simply said, unless I can feel his shoulders, I won't believe you. Or unless I can touch his face, I won't believe you. Unless I can see him eat food, I won't believe you. He doesn't say any of that. He says, unless I put my finger in his wounds. Because it is unbelievable that our Lord was raised from the dead with his wounds. Or at least it's the thing we least want to believe, even today, that our Lord was raised from the dead with his wounds. because that means there is some value in his wounds. You know, I think most of us want to be transformed as Jesus is transformed. 
know, we want to live a Christian life. We want to say no to sin. But we also want to live lives that sort of, it's as if our sin never happened. You know, I just wish that part of my life between the ages of 16 and 25 just never happened. And I don't want anybody to know about it. I don't want Jesus to know about it. I don't want to think about it. I just want it to have not happened. When we tell our conversion stories to people, uh, we're really not that good all the time at telling the part of our life where we were a sinner. And then Jesus came and transformed us into something else. Oftentimes, that's our temptation. That's what we want. But what our Lord wants is to transform our history. Just as he entered in to transform the history of the people of Israel, he wants to transform our personal history, and he wants to transform all of it. He wants to transform all of it so that we too have resurrected wounds. So that we too have resurrected wounds. The apostles have resurrected wounds. St. Paul in particular, who was the greatest persecutor of the church, and he never shies from telling people that until our Lord entered into his life and transformed it and made him into somebody new. For Thomas, he comes to believe because he puts his finger in the nail marks. By entering into the wounds in the body of Christ, Thomas comes to faith. Because like many of us, maybe what Thomas doubted most of all was that his own wounds or his past sins could be transformed. Is it possible that Jesus could still transform me even though I abandoned him at his worst time of suffering? And he comes to see that the answer is yes that there's still hope for him. The resurrected body of our Lord gives all of us hope that our lives can be different. That our life can truly be transformed. And the message of divine mercy is that that transformation can always take place. As we come to encounter the love of our Lord and we allow him to transform our lives, in particular to transform our past sinfulness or to transform the wounds from sins that were committed against us, we can always become somebody new. 
the blue and red rays that radiate from our Lord's heart in the divine mercy image always place us at the foot of the cross. when blood and water flowed from his side. They always place us at that act of love, that moment of love, in which our Lord identified with all of us in our own suffering, in our own sinfulness, and he offered his life so that we could be transformed. And if we really come, if we really come to know that and to believe that deeply in our hearts, it's then that the crooked lines of our history can be made straight. Our own wounds can be resurrected. And then we become witnesses to others of the great love and mercy and glory of our God of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we come to live in a perpetual time of Easter, where each day we renew those promises made at our baptisms. Each day we grow in transformation. Each day we fall more and more in love with Jesus. And so today, let us pray for the continued transformation of our own hearts. The continued transformation of our own bodies. And that we will truly witness to the mercy that the Lord has shown us in our lives. And if God wills it that our own resurrected woundedness will become a place of encounter for the people that we meet and relate to each day of our lives.